You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. Welcome to episode 26 of House of Football and Sports Joe. Uh, in studio with me today, we have Alan Cawley and Keith Tracy. Great to have the two lads back. We've loads to get through, lads. And we're going to start with last week, Al. We 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 kind of writ, um Stephen Kenny's obituary and said he's gone. Uh, but it looks like now he's being kept on till the end of the year. Mm. Not the end of the campaign, the end of the year. What do you make of all that? Yeah, I suppose when we were discussing it, all the chat and the, and the debate around it was the fact that because of results, it looks like Stephen's time is up. Then we had the press conference with um, with Jonathan Hill and the FEI, and of course they were asked the question, and they came to the decision that he's going to stay on, as you say, till the end of the year. I I think it's an awkward one, Eric. Now, as as we said last week, I'm for Stephen, but after three and a half years, all the things we discussed last week about accountability and results, uh, that it does feel like it's coming to the end. But the fact now that he's going to stay on for the two or three games, I think, just leaves him in an awkward position, and nearly the FEI. And I just feel. Was there if there was a replacement ready to go? Maybe Stephen would have been gone. But the fact that there's it's still up in the air and the uncertainty around who might replace him, obviously with Carsley and all these kind of names that have been mentioned, maybe that wasn't set in stone for someone to come in. So I think that's why maybe he'll see out the campaign. Plus, I think from the FEI's point of view as well, there's a bit of saving face because they don't want obviously. Vera just gone from the women's job and had to sack Stephen as well. I don't think the optics of that would have been very good also from an FEI point of view. And they're very image conscious at the moment as well. Um, so I think there are probably a couple of the reasons in my view as to why Stephen has been kept on. But do I think if he was to win the next couple of matches, will he be, stay on after that? I have Nothing's changed my mind on that. I still okay. think he'll be, he'll be kind of gone. Any thoughts on that yourself, Kate? I'd be fairly similar to Alan, you know, all the, the reasons that we're listening that Stephen Kenny is saying, none of them are football related anymore, you know, this talk about progression and the team and people that getting better, it's all gone out the window now because we can't win a game of football and nobody's nobody's bothered about the Dutch game, nobody's bothered about the French game, it's the Greece game that's really grating on people and a couple of the, the results in the in the last campaign and I think it's basically down to finances, I think image is, is a big thing but I think if the finances were right and we could get Lee Carsley then I think it'd be done. I think it's probably one or two things in the way and it's just fell well to keep to keep Stephen Kenny there. And if, if if we were in a financial position, Keith, would you be advocating of getting the manager in early now to finish this campaign with the squad to work with next next campaign in mind? I, I would be, and that's not to say that I, I want rid of Stephen Kenny no, straight I know, away. You know, not, I yeah. don't think he's lost the dressing room. I don't think we're at the point where we need to change straight away. I think results wise, if you're if you're Lee Carsley, if you're Stephen Reid, if you're Andy Reid, whoever it is who's linked with the job, if you want to come in, you want that Greece game, you want the Gibraltar game because you've had a chance of picking up a point, getting a con- getting confidence going. I know that Dutch away is going to be a big big game, but look in terms of Stephen Kenny. You know, he's been left in there. Is there anything to suggest that we're going to beat the Greeks? Is there anything to suggest that we're going to beat Gibraltar? Not really. So if we could change, I think we would change. It's the fact that financially, I think we're we're restricted an awful lot, and maybe Lee Carsey's not ready yet. The under twenty ones are in the middle of a, a campaign as well, so maybe he's saying, "Give me to the end of the campaign, I'll take the Irish job." It's all ifs and buts, but. I think in an ideal world, we'd have a, a new manager in place straight away. Okay. The, bi- the big thing for me, I think, Eric, if you had to, at the start of the campaign and someone said, Stephen will see out this campaign 100%, no problem, I would have had no issues whatsoever with that. I think the only reason we were kind of having the debate we did last week is because cause the results have gone the way they have. That was the narrative that's been created. And I just think now for Stephen, and he'll still approach them very professionally and want to do as well and all the things we spoke about last week in terms of how much he cares and wants to do it and he'll still feel we'll beat Greece we'll beat the Netherlands I'll turn it around and I, I might get another contract but I just think it leaves him in an awkward position because he'll be the one preparing the lads for the game standing on the sideline yet everybody viewing in from the outside feels as though no matter what he does he's probably yeah. gone Time bomb. it's a hard one uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned in your previous uh, little ramble there uh, Vera Pell mm. um, obviously Vera Pell's back in the news again because of the the press conference from uh, Diane Caldwell who basically threw her under the bus again didn't she she uh, she said that um, she was part of a leaders group um, she was supposed to go back to Vera with feedback she 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 put forward ideas and said all of them were ignored um, I suppose I was reading something there that said that Vera, Vera's uh, success in her career came about a time when the women's game was changing so she's very much an old school kind of manager you know she's been the whole US athletic article was about her directness and, and all that kind of stuff and 
the failure to like she's against like lifting weights, which seems really counterproductive when you see the way modern football teams train these days. You look at Katie McKay playing the top level for Arsenal in the WSL. She's no she knows weight training and mm. how important it is. Yet Vera is very much against it. And they all Diane Caldwell's kind of lent into that shit. There was no pre-match analysis of the opponents. There was no in-game tactical planning. Um, was she right or wrong to go public with all that, Alan, do you think? Or? I didn't like it at all, Eric, I have to say. I thought, talk about reading the room r- r- poorly because I looked even at social media yesterday when and, and those kind of the break on the different kind of platforms or whatever, whether it's RTE or Virgin or whatever it may be, and you look at the comment section underneath and all that goodwill that has been kind of towards the women's team in terms of pre-World Cup and um, during the World Cup, I think they've lost an awful lot of that because when the review was done and everybody felt Vera was hard done by and we can all have our opinions on that and that's fine, it should have been left there then. For her to come out and obliterate the manager the way she did, I just thought it was bad form. And again, you have to go back to, that's a girl who, and I followed all the women's games and worked on them all, even going back two, three, four years. And I was one who actually said I would have played Diane Caldwell because they sacrificed Megan Connolly to go back into that left-sided centre-half position where Diane normally was playing in the back three. So she was the one that was left out. So it just struck me as well as the disgruntled player who's been left out. Sour grapes. A little bit of that yeah. as well, Eric. And I just felt yesterday in a public forum like that, and I know to be fair, she's been asked the question and she was fairly honest and upfront. And she'll say, well, I was only answering a question. After that review was done and Vera lost her job, she had won at that stage. Why she needed to come out and do all the stuff that she did yesterday. And again, bring more and heap more pressure on the players and, and to talk about the fact that we did this in spite of Vera and all, I thought it was a huge lack of respect because whether you question the manager or not, She's the manager. She makes the decisions. She's the one that will always be labelled as the woman who got them to the World Cup in their first major tournament. That will never be taken away from her. Whatever those girls think. And even in terms of the fact that um, those opinions that she voiced yesterday, which she's going on her own, her own view of what's going on. We're not privy to what went on in the camp. But where was all these views and opinions back in the game that they qualified against Scotland or back in the previous campaign? How come they were only voiced now after, after the World Cup? Mm. So I thought it was really bad form. I didn't like it at all. Keith, were you of that opinion yourself? Yeah, I've, again, I'd be very, very similar to Alan, but the women, I feel like when Stephen Kenny Force got the Ireland job, he said, we're not going to play this British style of football. We're going to play football. And he ramped the pressure up. He said, this is what we're going to do. I feel like that this is happening again because Vera Pell has set the bar really, really high with this, with this Irish squad. And all of a sudden, the girls are coming out and saying, we've done this in spite of her. Mm. Right, so what are you going to do next get to the quarterfinals of a World Cup yeah, he's going to yeah, win the yeah. Euros how, how, how are you be going here and then Jonathan Hill coming out and saying the stuff you know we had over 30 one-on-one interviews some with players some with staff I've never been asked in my career do I like the manager wow. are you happy with the tactics and a manager says to me they don't like weights I'd be delighted with that no weight <laughs> sessions no pre-game analysis it seems like really old school really simplified tactics and yeah. look I, I love that maybe I'm a dinosaur but for players to be wanting to be overloaded with, with information like, Why? It is it, it's, yeah, for the player to be like she questioned everything. Yeah, mm. everything, training, like, everything. Tactics, yeah, analysis. Like you're the player. Like yeah. fair enough. We we played all, under a lot of managers that some we would have liked, some we didn't like, some we hated. Maybe whoever, but they're the manager. Like I would have questioned a lot in terms of. I'm not sure the way he plays and like, do I like that mm. but but I wouldn't have gone public and questioned. Yeah. You, you know, I just thought it was like a real. And then in terms of as I said, reading the room, like I looked at. Like the general consensus around Vera anyway was she was hard done by. And I always felt from a footballing point of view, of course she was, because all we ever hear is it's results based. Here's a woman that got us to the World Cup and then they're coming out with like, oh, well, she doesn't fit the culture and the brand of football that we're trying to play with and all. And I'm thinking, like, really, it's your first time you've ever qualified. Mm. You know, like they've really changed the goalpost. Like you're you're all of a sudden thinking, are we going to play like Barcelona now? Well, that's not going to happen, yeah. you know, with the women's team as well. I've watched them, Eric. And I think what Vera did, and again, we can argue and debate it all night long, but what Vera did in terms of her structure and setup was that we were sound defensively, um, getting plenty behind the ball, sitting in a low block and trying obviously counter-attack from there. In her view, that was her best way and best approach of getting us results. And it got us results. Yeah. The next thing I always felt with Vera was, 
if you do want to change and evolve in terms of now how how can we go from the low block and being defensively sound to maybe progressing through the midfield and on up to forward areas and creating chances and score goals she earned the right to be the manager to evolve like that and had she not evolved like that maybe in the next campaign then people can question her but okay. I don't think there could, could have been questioned her after what she achieved I suppose it's a reflection on the modern ga- game and the, the, the power of players these days you know I mean I know Katie was at, Katie McKay was at pains to say that you know there's this narrative that there was player power going on but clearly there was player power Keith yourself like you've, you've played over in England for a long time uh, being involved in many dressing rooms were, were, you, were, were you ever involved in a situation where you knew the players in the dressing room had the power over the certain manager and and because of that the players wouldn't really be asked so to speak I've, I've had it with Eddie Howe now it wasn't to the point where the players were trying to get rid of him it was to the point where he he'd burnt a couple of bridges he burnt a bridge with me he burnt a, a bridge with Dean Marne he took us both off against Southampton at half time and sort of gave us a bit of a rollicking in front of the rest of the dressing room so Dino start taking off his clothes and his kit and just walk past him start making as much noise while Eddie's giving his team talk so that was a big challenge straight away and then he just sort of lost the dressing room a bit. But then the only time I've had anything close to this is, as this was going on, about two months later, I'm in the reserves. I'm acting, I'm acting the, the maggot in training, so I get thrown down to the reserves because of me drinking and all of this. So next thing I get a phone call from the, the Burnley chairman. I want to meet you. So I'm thinking, right, this is it. They're going to pay up my contract or we're going to negotiate something here. But he t- his first words to me, well, the first thing he made me do was sign a match attack sticker for his kid. He said, he was, <laughs> it was a Sheffield get Wednesday fan. Stuff yeah. so <laughs> I got, that was the first thing I did. But then he said, how do I get you back in the first team? And I thought, oh, right, wow. what's going on here? And he, he never said anything to me, but I thought something must be a foot here because all of a sudden they didn't care for two months, but now they care. They want me in the first team. Long story short, I think Eddie Howe's mother wasn't well at Bournemouth, down, living down in Bournemouth, so it was sort of getting told that Eddie's going to go and look after his mother down south. So they were sort of checking with me, saying, like, one of my answers were, well, we need a new manager. And lo and behold, it happened, and I got back into the first team. But it's just funny how these things, like, they're yeah. always one step ahead the board. They're thinking, well, if we can get Keith on side and he maybe thinks that we're changing the manager because of him... That wasn't ever the case. Eddie was always leaving just to go and look after his mother. Okay. But they're trying to manipulate the situation to make me feel loved and wanted again. Did you did you feel all powerful then? Going, Jesus, some influence at this club. <laughs> <laughs> For about twelve seconds, and then I realised the, the real reason. I went, "Oh God!" Like, and obviously I shook his hand and, and wished him the best. I felt as as big as about an ant at that time. Right. But yeah, no, it wasn't great circumstances. But that, that's the closest I've ever come to anything like player power. Yeah. And it, it wasn't really player power. Like I say, it was his mother was unwell. But that was the closest I come to a dressing room that wasn't really aligning with the manager. Right, speaking of player power, or the lack of player power at Old Trafford, um, Manchester United uh, schooled on Saturday by mm. Brighton. A Brighton team who made six changes. Like a lot of their players who would normally play were, were rested. Imagine resting players going to Old Trafford. That's how confident they are in their system. And apart from, I'd say, the first 15, 20 minutes where they thought United were quite decent, mm. um, just absolutely could have won, won at a canter, basically. Yeah, school is the right word, Eric. And normally we, we're critical of United in the last kind of few weeks of, of the way things are going there and the manager and the players and the issues off the pitch and all those kind of things. I'm going to focus totally on Brighton. They were absolutely incredible. For a club to go to Old Trafford, a place that was always a fortress and you'd be beaten before you'd go on the pitch. And, and it, was actually, it, was actually, it was their first home defeat since Brighton beat them in the first game of the last season in the Premier League. What the Zerbi is doing, Eric, is absolutely incredible. It really is. And I remember Guardiola doing an interview last year and he called him a genius. And I was kind of thinking, all right, because there's a bit of Guardiola saying things like that, yeah. bigging them up, you yeah. know, pre-match conferences, bigging them up. But yeah, Even still, United were still in the title race yesterday. That's how, like, yeah, how like, he's, he's all playing mind games. You know, yeah, yeah. but... The, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when it comes to the Zerbi, as you said, to make six changes after beating a really good Newcastle team and then to go to Old Trafford, the team that assembled on the pitch is worth 16.2 million. I went through it. Fellas for free, Lalana, Welbeck, Lamptey, like all these fellas. Uh, Pascal Gross is 32 years of age. Like these are run-of-the-mill players, what we would view as run-of-the-mill journeymen if you like and that's really been disrespectful because they're really good players but that's how people would phrase them in the game these aren't fellas that pay 30, 40, 50 million for and it was just incredible in terms of how well they're coached I watched it closely on Saturday and I've always like for the last few years Guardiola at Barcelona and dominate possession and keeping the ball and almost changing the face of the game the way he he did it at Barcelona but he had the best players in the world doing this then Man City, something similar again, the way they play now, but again, spent the fortune, the best players in the world doing. What the Zerbi is doing with run of the mill players and enticing players, enticing the team on, 
It's unbelievable. And to have the confidence, Lewis Dunk is the prime example, right? Lewis Dunk. He looks like Beckenbauer, doesn't he? And Keith would have, would have, he may have played against him, but he would have known Lewis Dunk over the years as your typical carbon copy, centre half, old fashioned, kick it, head it, be, kick everything in front of you. And I'm sure Lewis Dunk was delighted to carve a career out like that. Now he's with a manager who said he's completely changed his view on the game. He has Lewis Dunk playing like Matthias Sammer at the back. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Enticing fellas on, playing little balls in just to suck them on, playing around them, little passes, uh, breaking lines. Then they're all of a sudden to find themselves on the halfway line in 2v2 situations, 3v3s, creating overloads. And they absolutely annihilated United. It was incredible. And you know who's the best player on the pitch? And you might laugh at this. And I, again, I watched him closely, right? And, he, and it was incredible. The goalkeeper. The goalkeeper was the best player on the pitch he had 53 passes in total I don't think one went astray and every pla- every pass he made was p- played with a purpose it was yeah. unbelievable how, how they did it in how well they're coached in, in what the Zerbi is obviously the messaging that he's given them the belief and the confidence in allowing them to do this it was just it was I sat there on Saturday and I said this is unbelievable what I'm watching and it's Brighton it's not Man City or Barcelona uh, you, you, did you play with Dunk? Come I, across I played Duncan. against him a few yeah. times, yeah. As as Brighton were coming through uh, League One, the Championship, when the Amex was just uh, was just built, yeah. And he, I watched him. Uh, he got he played against Scotland, didn't yeah, he? For in England, the, in the yeah. international played window, well. he, he was excellent. Yeah. And uh, you like I came away from that thinking Harry Maguire still in that team, like Lewis Dunk. You have yeah. Tamari as well, not getting a game, and the loyalty to Harry Maguire is is something that I think is just going to get keep keep ramping up and ramping up at Gareth Southgate, especially with. With him sitting on the bench, but from from a United point of view, Alan, Alan's looking at all the positives and rightly so because Brighton were brilliant. But Manchester United are, you know, they're absolutely awful. I think Casemiro looks way off it. You know, yeah, really we, we spoke about him yeah. before, and we're saying maybe it takes four or five games yeah. from to get, and he might he might just all of a sudden turn no, it he's on. Done her. There's he's no done. No, don't eyes. say that. I'll don't say that. Finished. Don't say that. Ah, he's, he's struggling. Keith's right. He's struggling. he's struggling to get around the pitch. He yeah. doesn't look really interested. He, he's, yeah. Some of his side was in backwards passing. Like it's five yards, ten yeah. yards passing from. Jason Steele passed know. the ball better than him on Saturday. The so goalkeeper. You're saying Casemiro should go in goal. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing from you, Al. I was just showing Jason Steele as a central defensive played, midfielder. He played McTominay beside him, and I thought that would help him in the sense that just for legs and energy. But that, that's but another. Like you look at McTominay. McTominay was out the door. Yeah. He would go to West Ham, no problem. See you later, son. He ends up staying. He plays really well for Scotland in the international window in an advanced role, and then all of a sudden, Ten Hag's thinking, "All right, then I'll put him in." As a, as an next player, if a manager, if you know a manager doesn't really fancy, you, and the next minute you're saying, "Come on, I need 100 percent run through brick walls. I want you running the challenge." You're thinking. Don't even want me here, like and I've a bone yeah. to pick with you as well about Bruno Fernandez. Nonsense. Th- th- this is exactly what I was talking about. It's when the game is going away from you, he's never going to wrestle it back for you. And nowhere to be Lovely seen, player. Nowhere exactly. to be seen. Pointing fingers and throwing mm. hands. Yeah, well, Bo was one of the last seen the last, <laughs> last night. Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, no, just and like, I think uh, as well. I mentioned a couple of weeks back about the excuse culture. There's more of that with Ten Hag as well. And I know it's difficult in terms of I have sympathy with the off the field, the players, the way Sancho is behaving, the likes of this kind of stuff. But ultimately, you're the manager, and and is he 18 months into the job now? And he got a bit of praise last year. But the, but the one thing that I go back to with Brighton and the Zerbi, they all know the role, they all know how they're going to play, they all know the identity of the team. I'm looking at United, and and it's a it's a mishmash all over the place. Like, and that can be down to you can say injuries and having to pick different players, no relationships being built, whatever the case may be. But he Brighton made six changes, and they all come in. It was a seamless transition. Yeah. Every one of them came in, and and uh, Veltman. Yeah, like we're talking about fellas who like journeyman. Well, and that's been so. I don't. I don't mean that. that in, in the, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, mean. I don't mean yeah. that in the harmful good way that, that people say it. because yeah. it's because they're really good players. But that's how they're viewed in the game. The likes of these fellas. But what they're doing is absolutely incredible. I think what was worrying for me as a Manchester United fan, um, Keith, when I was watching the, the game on Saturday, uh, like, and Ten Hag came out afterwards and he was saying, you know, he, you know, he, he, he was kind of clutching at straws a little bit, said we were a little bit unlucky in the first 20 minutes. We'd scored one or two of those half chances. The game could have been so much different. Of course, it's all ifs, buts and maybes. But he said, well, we, what we need to do is stick to the plan and the rules. And the plan and the rules last season seemed to be running, pressing, now, what I noticed on Saturday was there was a severe lack of that. Yeah. Like, I saw, and I love Rashford. I love him as a man and as a player. But I saw him walking, not chasing back. Uh, I saw Scott McTominay, Lamptey, just skip past him. Just let him go. Yeah. Didn't run after him, no effort. And I'm wondering, is is there is there something changing in the dressing room? Is there, like, people are saying, like, with the, with the incident with Sancho, that there was some sympathy for him in the dressing room. And I wonder, has that caused a kind of a, a little chasm? Yeah. 
possibly the manager and the players. I understand why you would say that. And you, uh, Alan said that you know the stuff with Sancho misbehaving. That that's right. He has a pop back, but he's having a pop back. That was retaliation. You know, if Eric Ten Hag has asked a question about Sancho, he can say, oh, you know, little injury, whatever. He can just play that off. But the fact that he so decided to say he's not training well. I think Sancho then is entitled to say, no, I think I'm training okay and now it's all blew up. But, but do you go public with that, Keith? Well, the manager did. But I mean, the, I think the only reason the manager went public with it initially there last week is because he's already allowed him all the grace last year when he was left him off to Holland and supported him and all the stuff behind the scenes that we didn't see. So I think the manager is in a position where he's saying, look, I've helped you, I've looked after you all through last season. You were having your problems, we supported you. Now you're still rubbing it in my face if he's not training well. So I think the manager, there's frustration in what he did by going public last week. That's my take. Yeah, and I get that. But look, if you're a player and you're sitting there and you're aggrieved because you're not in the squad and apparently Sancho feels like he has trained well because that was his group. He said, no, I'm training okay like I always do and blah, blah, blah. If you're sitting there Super Sunday watching it and all of a sudden your manager's on the telly saying, well, he's not here because he hasn't trained well. And you think, well, I've done okay. Like, yeah. There's a gripe there straight away. But, that but, should, that but, shouldn't be coming out in the media. That, and but, he, he, he fired the first bullet. That's but, what I'm but saying. But if, that's the, case, that if that's the case, why does Sancho go on social media that night? Why doesn't he wait till Monday morning and the first place he goes, can I, st- yeah. can I talk to your manager? Two right? wrongs don't make a right. I get that totally right. So it's just, as you said, it's blown up into the circus now. And if, if again, and then this is moving it on a bit to Eric's point then, if the players are in support of Sancho, now he's causing a rift with a few of them. Like, so, th- so it's, it's escalated all of a sudden. It's gone from, I'm not happy with you, Sancho. You're not playing well. We'll have a chat about it. To, There's five or six of them yeah. with Sancho. Yeah. Now, we don't know that, but but yeah. if that's what, what you're saying, but you're Imagine hearing. if them lads are sitting together, McTominay, Maguire and Sancho sitting together in the dressing room. Can you imagine what the conversation is like about the, about the gaffer? And then yeah. all of a sudden, there's another Casemiro yeah. sitting there before he's shown. He's going, yeah, I don't like this either. That just starts to spread. And look, I do think we're probably a little bit away from that now because I think McTominay's a good pro. I think Maguire's a good pro. They will just get their heads down and be okay. But generally... That's not that's not good signs, and you know it's midfield is absolutely thrown together. It's just yeah. decent players. Yeah. Casemiro's decent, Mount is decent, Eriks is decent, McTominay's okay. Throw them in there and see what they do. Yeah. Like, lads, and the recovery runs. These are the, this is the basics of football. Yeah. If you're not going to run the other way, ninety nine percent of football you don't have the ball. Mm. So many people, oh, I switch on when I have the ball. I'll do this. I play between the lines. If you're not going to run backwards, you're not going to do the basics of the game. Match the intensity of the Brighton forward runs. Then you're going to get ter- you're going to get torn apart. Yeah, they have problems. They have serious that, problems. That was the massive issue. And that's Saturday. the stuff that comes back to the manager, and not just the manager. Bruno Fernandez. Like if that's Roy Keane, like the fear factor is a big, big thing in football. Like if you if you're running and Roy Keane is running beside you and he's running past you and past you, he's eventually going to grip you up in the dressing room and say, "You either start running or we're going to come to blows." I don't think Bruno Fernandez has it's that. The in whole, him. It's the whole club, I think, Keith. From top to bottom, there's disgruntlement everywhere. Like obviously with the ownership of the club, the fans discontent towards them. Then does the manager feel supported by the owners because of the uncertainty what's going on? Like it's it's there's problems everywhere. Where do you even start to try? Well, to it fix was them? telling that he was he said that he was brought in to change the culture of the club, and that's what he's doing. You know, he said there was a, a, a carefree culture before yeah. he came, and, and you the, could see that. Or yeah. uh, we could see the carefree attitude and how bad it was. Standards have dropped massively, mm-hmm. but then if he's been brought in to do that, have standards gotten better with him? Would you argue to have, have they? I don't know. Because yeah. looking at them Saturday, for all the things Keith says, that that's that's not a football issue in terms of not running back. That's a, a yeah. culture standards thing. You know what I mean? That you're that it's ingrained in you. This is whether we're good with the ball or not, we run and we work. They're the basics, as Keith said. You know, like and that's up to him to ingrain that and create that fear factor and let them know, well, if you're not doing it, you won't be playing. There's, 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 there was talk today that there was a major round in the dressing room after the Brighton game and uh, and, and Bruno was one of them. Bruno had a, a massive Head to head with McTominay apparently in the dressing room afterwards. Well, I said this a few weeks ago about he would annoy me if I was a player playing playing with him and the thrown hands and uh, you know no giving out when he don't pass the ball and all that would that would annoy other players. And if it's McTominay who's already probably feeling disgruntled that he's not mm. playing, then he plays and Bruno comes in and starts shouting at him. Of course he's probably yeah, going to say, here, I've had it's enough It's the easy it. option, isn't it? Who are you going to give out to in that midfield around you? Yeah. The young lad, Scott McTominay. I, I mean young in terms yeah. of Casemiro. Yeah, 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 Why yeah. not go and dig Casemiro out, the boy from Real Madrid who's been there, done it all? That's the easy option. I'll go and have a pop-off the young lad. Yeah. That's, that's awful. But again, like McTominay goes head to head from standing up for himself, probably thought, I've ran an awful lot more than you did. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? So the running stats... It sounds like a mess. The Where are you hearing all this information? Oh, listen. <laughs> <laughs> 
go to go to sportsjoe.ie <laughs> Eric Ladder Hag <laughs> <laughs> but no there was another row as well between uh, uh, Martinez and Lindelof apparently in the dressing room afterwards so it's nice to see that they care that they're fighting with each other in the dressing room but it also it's an, it's, it is it's a mess like, yeah, it's, it's, like, when it's, you hear that stuff like, it's depressing and then you watch them on, as I say Brighton were just popping them as we yeah, say. all that stuff for me is for show you know when you go into the dressing room and you, you're, the cameras are off and people are roaring and shouting and going head to head run back Show me a care that way. Run back, tackle somebody, rattle into somebody, get the crowd going, get people around you running. Yeah. Don't go on head to head. It's over now. Yeah, you exactly. can't do it. He was. I, I watched, as much as I was in praise of Brighton, they were amazing. Bruno Fernandes didn't get a kick at the ball. Oh, he was he was he was he was playing like almost like a sweeper at some stage. He was taking the he ball off the line. Yeah, he got yeah. really deep. Yeah, and, they, and that's another thing. Like when they're looped behind in games and chasing it, the, the whole system goes out the window. Uh, they finished the game against Arsenal with Maguire and Evans bat at the back, and you know what I mean. It's just it just becomes a mishmash. If you're well run, well structured club, good times, bad times, you still stick to your the process is the word you use now or whatever kind of stuff your your, your principles or your all the kind of phrases that you want to put on it. But there, it just becomes chaos. Mm, chaos. Is. That's what it is. It's chaos at all Like what you're saying about the excuse culture. The Arsenal game was a big eye opener. The, yeah. the Garnacho, my heart was in my mouth. I thought you know you've done it. Yeah. What a great away performance! And then it gets overruled. Offside's black and white. They draw the lines. There's no argument. But he's arguing. It's not offside. This it is, is this, offside. This is this is where I brought up yeah, Keith about the, the excuse culture. You're spot on. The Hoyland penalty. Yeah. Yeah. That's never a penalty. And I, I said there were two things I oh, said. I he came out trying to argue against the lines. And he, the Johnny Evans saying that Johnny Evans doesn't get out to Royce quick enough because he's being fouled. Yeah. How about he, he pulls him out of the way? Be stronger, Johnny. Yeah. Don't just uh, get him out of the way and go and get there. A man of his experience as well, yeah. Um, like, just on the Sancho thing about the training, Keith, were you, were you, were yourself, were you a good trainer yourself when, when you were on it? You were a good trainer? Would you be putting it in? And, and was there, um, um, what I'm leading to is, was there players that you played with over there that were just terrible trainers? And what sort of an effect does that have on the squad? Uh, I wasn't the best trainer, I have to be honest, but um, under Sean Deutsch, it got to the point where you had to train well. You know, it was it was used against me when I wasn't in squads. You know, I'd knock on a Monday morning. Gaffer, I played well last Saturday. I couldn't care about last Saturday. You didn't train well Monday, Tuesday. You were awful Thursday. You turned up late Friday. Right. So that that's all, that precedes everything. So by then, I, I got it into my head that I'm going to have to start training well. And I had this thing when I was young. I, I was probably my talent masked an awful lot of my talent. So I thought I could just turn it on and off whenever I want. Saturday, I'll turn it off. Tu- I'll turn it on. Tuesday, I'll turn it on. And in between, I'll just the wheels will be spinning but I won't really be trying but yeah when Sean Dyche came in standards come up and he started the first thing Sean Dyche made us do was train with shin guards he said like we're too soft and that he set us all in different sections it was like four or five of us on a different table we all had pieces of paper he said if you were to transfer to another team tomorrow when you were playing against Burnley what would you be saying to the new dressing room you're in about this dressing room and everybody on the sheets had were a bit too soft and nice to play against Okay. so That's the retaliation was shin guards for training because well, he wants just to get fully yeah, stuck into it. He said, other. like, the amount of soft tissue injuries is... We, you generally get soft tissue injuries in training. You don't really go in with kicks or, you know, scrapes or bruises or walloping into tackles. He said, that's going to change because we're going to start playing like that. And it, it just it just set a, a thing in training of, right, this has to be in everything. This, my standards have to go up and I have to reach them. And I, I hated him having that in the chamber. Waiting right. When I knock on a Monday going, well, you didn't train well. So I had to take that away from him. And that's why my standard rose because... I had to take that bullet that's the, the word chamber. standards that's that, the word that's good management isn't it brilliant management and yeah. that's why Dyche has had the career that he's had because like, like he tell you but he, he that's everywhere he goes and that, he treats every player the same yep. I'm sure everyone was treated the same just because Keith was the, probably the best ball player and but you might have had a fella who was just the, the donkey or the, the but at this time to him I was absolutely useless I was two ton overweight I, I wasn't playing well I was depressed that Eddie Howe had put me into the reserves he brought me back in so there was an awful lot of work to be done with me and he wasn't getting any reward quickly I, he had to get me fit he brought me running through Burnley himself so in terms of man management and standards and I, I think like Kieran Trippius to- spoke about it before the way he, he treated me Kieran seen it and he's like this guy loves this club he loves the players and he wants us all to do well and when you have a manager like that mm. you're ready to run through brick walls from him like he never gave us an excuse. He never like even if we turned up, we played Bournemouth one day. It was touch of golf. It's going to be on or off. The pitch inspection gets knocked back, knocked back. All of a sudden, the game is on. He said, "Do not. We we have no excuses here. Do not." And he just takes it away. The media are saying he's a tired. He's won the last four games in a row. He's a tired. We're not tired. Don't do not buy into this stuff. And it just every little excuse or thing you might have, it just gets taken away from you. I love Daesh. I love hearing hearing Key talk about Daesh. Yeah. All these stories It's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. It, it almost makes you want Everton to survive. And I look at Everton, <laughs> and this is the thing: I looked at Everton on Sunday, and they're so bad. 
Yeah. They're so bad, right? <laughs> and, and, and all the things I used to say last year were everything staying up, they'll stay up cause, only because of Deitch. Not because the players, just because he'll keep them up. So the I'm, opposite of Vera Pell. I, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at them at the moment and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a long season for it's them. It's going to be a long season. But, but I can't but get my head around a Wobie going out the building, the Marty Gray going out the building. They're mm. building a new stadium. Yeah. Like they're going, they're, it's really, really big chance that they're going to be in the championship next season with, with a, a new spanking stadium. new stadium and like I, I'm, I, like I know Everton aren't great but I'm looking at the positives of me and thinking they're, they're keeping Arsenal at bay defensively they're starting to get more like a Sean Dyche team if they had somebody in the middle of the pitch in a Wobie or the Marty Gray who could travel with the ball the Corey looks like he has a bit McNeil looks like he has a bit if you could keep a Wobie and the Marty Gray there Beto looks like he's yeah. a bit awkward yeah. like, he won't score Carl 10 Lewin's goals a problem always uh, injured isn't he yeah. yeah made a glass isn't he um, Chelsea <laughs> Chelsea are, up, are below Man United in the league <laughs> thank God for Chelsea um, they've spent 85 billion uh, <laughs> in the last two weeks uh, no so I mean I know I, I know uh, Pochettino said uh, post-match against Bournemouth that they, they, they have 12 players on the injury list which still leaves about 60 players in the squad <laughs> so it's not like they've 14 on loan yeah that they're lacking um, is you know is <laughs> Like, I know they spent all this money, Keith, and Pochettino's taken over. But are Chelsea now probably worse than they were even last season? Five goals all they've scored this season. Yeah, possibly. You know, people are saying that they're talking about the positives of Raheem Sterling doing well. And it it, it just seems like a team of individuals. They're thrown together a little bit like United's midfield teams. It, you know, there's so many different managers been in the been in over the last couple of years. And it seems like it's a little bit of him, a little bit of him, and a little bit of him. And... Pochettino scratching around he doesn't know he has the young boy Jackson up front you know he looks like a decent player looks like he could want to be a Premier League player but if you want to be in the top four top six of this Premier League you need an established striker up there somebody who's going to get you goals and just question marks over a lot of the a lot of the Chelsea players they've spent an awful lot of money and they're giving out these contracts seven eight year deals I mean I got a three year deal at Burnley and my fire went out imagine getting an eight year deal you know like this is a hundred hundred and twenty grand a week on eight eight year deal <laughs> like imagine telling Mudra come on now you need to do this like yeah. Yeah. I, I've, a, I've a guaranteed 30 million over the next 7-8 years like don't tell me what to do it's ridiculous yeah. how can you give that and I know it's the FIFA fair play rules I know they're trying to negotiate the ways around that but I think that that's a highway to nothing it's now. an interesting point that isn't it oh well that was the first thing as soon as it was given I was like eight, nine year like how are you going to incentivise yeah. these fellas you know that's the problem now they're trying to be clever thinking that's how we navigate around the financial fair play and this is the way around it but on the flip side you have players then going I'm on easy and we know what pla- we know what players are like nowadays yeah. so um, I think they're, they're now the only thing with Pochettino I will say to be fair to him I think he's a very good manager mm-hmm. and he's only in the door. So he has to be allowed given time. Like it's such a mess he's walked into. Like we were ridiculing them last year on and off the pitch. So imagine walking into that dressing room and there's players in that corner, there's players in that corner. He probably doesn't even know which players are his. Somewhere out in the corridor. You know, and he's trying to, <laughs> so he's trying to offload fellas. He's trying to see who do I want. He's trying to put his shape on things. So that's not going to happen overnight, Eric. Like yeah. that's, that's a difficult job he has to be fair to him. I do think he will, he will get it right in time. But what are we, five games in? It's never going to happen after five games. They're going to benefit, I think, not playing European football. Well, that, at least then he's more time on the training pitch and do all those type of things. But I think the biggest problem he has right now is seeing who he wants and who he doesn't want. Because as you, and you're making a joke of it there, but the amount of players that they have, like it's incredible, really. So, and that's difficult in itself. Like I'm sure Keith and myself, we've been in dressing rooms where you have the manager might, might only want 20, but he has four fellas who he doesn't want and they're over there being bad eggs, bad apples and all. He probably has 20 fellas he doesn't want. Yeah. And, and they're, then all, you're trying, they're all internationals with big yeah, egos. Being, and then you're trying to uh, plan sessions and you have an experienced international stand on the sideline not kicking the ball, banging on doors and ringing agents and agents are ringing pots. Like, it's, like we don't see half the stuff that goes on. Eric. Yeah, I could, it's a minefield now, I'd say. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. With the, with the amount of players Chelsea have, there's probably more unhappy than actually happy at the club because only 11 can play. Imagine trying to manage so that. Like, imagine mm. trying to manage that. Yeah, egos. Oh, and they're the worst. <laughs> imagine Pochettino on a Monday morning to queue outside the dressing room. Like, yeah, next. You, why didn't you play? Oh, you were awful as well. Yeah, next. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Nightmare. Um, another, another big incident. Well, not incident, I suppose. Another big uh, talking point over the weekend was... Um, the, your 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 team sports with their dramatic Flying. dramatic comeback against Sheffield United, but Come it sparked on, you Spurs. <laughs> it 
it sparked great controversy uh, um, from the, the Sheffield United manager who, uh, Paul Heckingbottom, uh, said that the referees don't know what they're doing. The modern referees don't understand the modern game. And uh, he was quoted, he says, what was it? He says, we were we were getting told by the ref just to play long. You can't do it. Wes got booked for handling outside the box and then you're threatening him with another yellow for, for dissent. You just can't do it. He says, when I speak to referees, they haven't got a clue about the game. Now, I think probably his frustrations lent from the fact that it was so soon after such an emotional, heartbreaking defeat. Um, but is there any tr- any kind of truth in what he's saying, do you think, Keith? I think so, yeah. I think there's, there's so many subjective decisions now. Like There's so many that great on me. The, the Rashford uh, penalty against Nottingham Forest, I think that if that's an ex-player, for instance, they look at that and you think, nah, he's initiating the contact there. There's so many of them ones where you're thinking, that's not a penalty. And the referees are looking and they're talking about things. Like, did you see the, the Arsenal and Everton offside the other day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Martinelli. Like, I couldn't get my head around that. Like, they said Beto didn't mean the deflection to go there, yeah. but... It wasn't it was a like, deliberate action. Deliberate. That's the phrase. That's he, And that's where the rules, like the rules and the laws come into it, where we're scratching our head. interpretation again, yeah. 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 Well, it's not, it's not really, to be fair, it's an actual law, but it was probably a law you didn't know, Keith, me, like, you know. So basically... Did you see the incident? Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to go and block the, the pass from Gabriel. Gabriel is passing yeah. into So Declan it hit, Royce. hits him, but the ball deflects straight into Enketia, wasn't it? Yeah, Enketia's coming back from yeah. an offside position. And yeah. to, go, to go and score. But because Beto didn't pass it back to Enketia, it was just a deflection. It wasn't a deliberate pass back or deliberate action. This wasn't like a feather deflection. This was a totally different direction of the ball deflection. It was going sideways and then all of a sudden it went up front and like Beto might as well have passed the ball because it's going into Declan Rice's feet and you just need the ref to have a look at it and go, now that rule is absolutely redundant. That's a decent goal and I realise that's coming from an Arsenal fan but I was looking at it and looking at it and thinking, I can't wrap my head around this at all. Like, and Again, I think if that's an ex-player, they see that totally, totally different. But, but I think that's where, it, in fairness as well, and this is where we get confused as players, and I'm sure the players play nowadays, and the handball rules and all the different... When it's a rule and a law, but we might want common sense to come into the game, mm. they've taken all common sense out of it. Because we always grew up with, if you if the ball is passed back by a defending player to some some forward and he's in and score, well then it's a goal. Yeah, of course but, it is. But there's probably fine print somewhere with a law and a rule now, and the likes of that, yeah. it, it rears its head on Sunday and we're all... Like, this looks a bit barmy, because everyone, Theo Walcott, I think, was in the studio, and Jimmy, ha- and they didn't understand, like, nobody, until it was, ex- was until it was explained yeah. as the yeah. rule, and the referee is going by the rule, so technically he's right, but this is where we're all scratching our head, thinking you're changing football, for, and there's no need to be changing football, with stupid rules, just stick to, it was fine the way it was. It'd be a great way to get uh, ex-players more woke, wouldn't it? Stick them in the, in the bar yeah, boot. And even, like, as Keith just said, for, for that common sense attitude. You know, well, I'd, I'd go into the bar boot, I wouldn't do the actual referee. You know, when you're out of the way, they can't get to you. That's no problem. But I've had enough referee in that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, I tell you. There's, there's, a, there's a, a Netflix series watching Al Tour Ireland <laughs> refereeing matches. <laughs> I'd love to see that. But, it's, um, uh, but I think Hecking Bottom, to be fair, because I, I listened to his comments, he, he was talking about them wanting to play out. Yes, and saying the referee doesn't understand that the reason the goalkeeper is taking his time because he's waiting to see or they're being pressed or they're not he's playing and Spurs have changed their shape as well to counteract what they had been doing Yeah, so he's saying he doesn't understand what we're trying to do and he's telling me goalkeeper just to boot it up (laughs) this So the, the referee's been appointed a new Sheffield United manager so, for, like, for this weekend. Um, but a brilliant result for Spurs. It was, wasn't it? Keeps it? the momentum going, yeah. yeah. And Richarlison scoring the goal. And again, going back to the comments with Postacoglu and, mm. uh, on Friday, the mental health stuff and all, which obviously is prevalent now in the game. And, um, Talking about his own dad as well. Not just being, comes yeah. across like yeah. a normal fella that yeah. you'd sit in the bar with and he'd just yeah. talk normally mm. to you like. Class seems a very likable fella. All Class. Right. I can't begrudge Spurs their success at the moment. He's good, isn't he? And the yeah. way they play and all. But just... You just want, all you want in the game, the amount of bluffers. You just want fellas to be honest and straightforward and just talk sim like the way we talk here, or whatever you know. But uh, well, he's uh, class, Pasta Coglu. But to counteract that, Ten Hag was honest about Sancho, and he's getting all sorts of abuse for it. <laughs> I'm with him on Sancho. <laughs> right, right. He was honest in the media. He should right. have, that should have all been done face to face. You don't do that stuff in the media. And like I said, the, the manager did it forced. So mm. I think whatever happens after that, that's where it's all stemmed from. So it's again, it's the Vera Pau, Eric Ten Hag. They're both Dutch. They're both blunt. You know, they, they, they say it as it is. And I'm with them both. What does that tell you about me? Generally, you do. That's what you like, isn't it? A straight talking manager. Yeah. Why am I in the team? Because you didn't train well, so that's why. And yeah. there's no ifs and buts. It's That's why you're not in the team. And well, that's what I always prefer. I don't want somebody telling me I think you're great and then doesn't play it on the weekend. And that's, that actually happened with Paul Heggenbottom, believe it or not. He, he was my uh, he was the assistant manager at Barnsley under uh, Wilson, uh, Mark Wilson. And 
he I wasn't playing I, I, I was hitting a drink obviously a lot but I wasn't playing and I was getting aggrieved and Hecky would always say to me Jesus Keith if, if I was the manager you'd be in my team I think you're excellent I think you're brilliant and then all of a sudden he's he leaves he gets, the, he gets the interim manager's job and I'm still on the bleeding bench <laughs> what's going on here like, did you say it to him I said it to him but he just had a bit of a laugh and I, I sort of knew the, the drink had a hold of me so I didn't even put up much of a fight but yeah so I, I came across Hecky a bit but lovely bloke really loves he, his yeah, football yeah. yeah very very passionate loves his football and it's one of them I hope Sheffield United stay up I hope everything stay up it's all because of the managers that I like them yeah. so but I think one of them too will have to join Luton and Burnley unfortunately I, I remember know. going to a manager one day like that and I had only joined the club fresh on loan and um, wasn't playing right so I was thinking like you brought me in here on loan especially which club is it come on I'll tell you who it was come on. <laughs> so brought me in on loan right um, and I was thinking after a couple of games like what's going on I'm not playing here this is the reason he brought me in the reason I came I could have went anywhere really you know Um don't worry, you'll be playing next week, he says to me. Right, and I'm thinking, how can you tell me that I'll be playing next week where the fella that's playing instead of me, what if, what if he scores a hat-trick today? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm thinking, I, I remember going away thinking, what am I after doing coming here? Like, yeah. Which, needless to say, it turned into a bit of a disaster and I was gone three weeks later anyway. Okay. But um, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Just come out and be honest. Yeah. You know, say, say it, you're not playing because you didn't do this and you didn't do that and I don't rate you. Or not, you know, do this and do that and you'll be in the team. Um... City looking periods as well, 5 out of 5, unbelievable start. They've lost. Gundogan, they've lost. Marez, but the machine still keeps grinding forward. It was a potential banana skin. West Ham, West Ham, West Ham, West Ham with a good side. War Prowse put them one up, but again, City never panic, just do what they do. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with City. I was watching United you know, in Brighton and you know, I had this thing on where the goal flash pops up and it's 1 0 to West Ham and as an Arsenal fan, I'm sitting there and I'm still going, yeah, it doesn't matter. Come back. Still <laughs> yeah. And then it came in, it's one all, but Haaland's missed two chances and I thought, it doesn't matter, he'll score. And <laughs> then it pops up, Haaland has scored. You're just thinking it's the most predictable thing in the world now, isn't it, that City will come back. But look, I, I just hope the Champions League rolls around. I hope they get four or five really big injuries <laughs> and, and we get we get a decent race out of it because I, I, I still think at the heart of it, Arsenal are probably the second best. Spurs look really good, but I do expect that to slow down a little bit after the new manager bounce. But I think there's a gulf. I think when City played Arsenal at the back end of last year and they just wiped the floor with them, I think there's still a gulf to, to Manchester City. What about Liverpool? Liverpool look like they're well, you know they're, they're getting the results. They're well, you wouldn't have thought it after watching the first half. They were an absolute shambles. And yeah. Wolves should have been two up. Uh, the, the, the lad up front, new, what's his name? The, um, Joe Pedro and Nunes. Cun, 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 Cunha. Cunha missed yeah, the yeah. header to go 2-0 up. Well, and, Wol- and Wolves were really good. <laughs> they were absolutely brilliant in yeah. the first half. Now, again, Klopp, pre-match, was talking about the half-12 kickoff players coming in. Yeah. Um, they didn't win any of their half-12 kickoffs no, last he, season. he actually, I know it sounds a bit sour but he actually has a point because I think he has done the stats, so he hasn't just come out with this. Yeah. He's looked it up and I think out of all the teams, they've played the most of the half 12 kickoffs in the last two or three seasons or whatever and even the next window they're down for the half 12 kickoff it'll drive him insane even more so I think he has a point on that and he's talking about players arriving in on Friday morning I haven't even seen them yet and we're playing Wolves he's to travel to Wolves on Saturday and this kind of stuff and they look like a team who hadn't seen each other all week on the on the Saturday they were just that bit off in the first half yeah and he made a couple of substitutions like McAllister was the prime example who I'm a huge fan of McAllister honestly was so bad on he was Saturday. booked after 5 minutes he or was dreadful like, yeah. and he just looked like a fellow who was after travelling about 48 <laughs> yeah, hours to, get, to yeah. get the Wolves like you know yeah. um, took him off made a couple of changes Luis Diaz come on brilliant player he is made it they scored early as well in the second half and then they looked fairly comfortable. But Wolves actually be kicking themselves they played mm-hmm. really well like the night against United they should have mm-hmm. beat United uh, but they just, just can't score can't score that's a major problem for an American that was the, the case on Saturday but the likes of Neto he'll be the next one to go now as well he was oh, brilliant yeah, on Saturday sensational. but in terms of Liverpool I, I did say the last two weeks and I still nothing's changed that I think they'll, they will have a better season and they'll be in around the top four I don't see them challenging City or Arsenal it's Arsenal still for me is the main challengers so Liverpool in your opinion as well that uh, would would have a bit of a way to go to challenge City again like they did in previous seasons yeah I think there's still too many question marks uh, Joe Gomez didn't look very comfortable at right mm. back obviously when Trent plays at right back we know what he brings as a, as an attacking full back but in 1v1 situations very very sceptical as well about uh, how good he can be but yeah look I, I do think they'll be in the mix for top 4 top 6 but in terms of actually grabbing the ball by the horns and giving us a, a bit of a race I don't think so. Again, I think City are just, they can rattle off 15 wins on the bounce and I don't think any of the next bunch like Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, I think they'll all take points off each other and could possibly take points off of City but City can put runs together like nobody knows. And, and you look at City again, their new player, 
Doku mm. looks sensational. Yeah, and a brilliant finish. Like, you know, he's, where he's electric from a stand and start. His explosiveness. Unbelievable. Yeah. You watch him. He, 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 if you want, like he's doing that, and everybody thinks, say, like Grealish always comes inside that little drop of the shoulder. And people think it's so predictable how try and stop that. I remember playing against Paddy McCourt one night, and he basically said, Alan, I'm going to drop my shoulder, I'm going to go inside, but you won't get me. Right? <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And honestly, Eric, right, he was toying with me one night, Paddy McCourt. I'll never forget it. I went away thinking of Paddy, and he's a great fella, right? Yeah. And I went away, went away thinking, and he always just dropping the shoulder every time. <coughs> uh, and you think, I knew what he was going to do, but it's just so hard to stop. So you Grealish is the same and I'm sure people think oh well Grealish always does that but it's so difficult. Doku actually does the little jink stands you up and then bang gone off a standing start and he's just as you said so explosive looks a real serious signing to them but as well. The brilliant thing about that is that a, a total contrast aren't they Grealish so if, if somebody like West Ham plays a low block and Grealish is running that Q file and he, he has to recycle it they're trying to create overloads but West Ham are just stuck and not moving saying we'll just defend the box bring Doku on. He just just when he gets the ball, he just backs Kufal up, banks, manipulates the ball. There you go. Right, it's yeah. brilliant another, to be able to mix that up like that. Two opposite wingers, but really, really good. Another reflection on a club that's really well run and doing the homework and the scouting and all that kind of thing. Like you know, I know you spent big money on him, but and I said this over the weekend. It's no coincidence. The ones we talk about who are struggling are the, are the clubs that are being p- poorly managed. The ones who you look at who are all things going fairly well for them are the clubs being run well also Brighton, Spurs Arsenal yeah, yeah. but yeah. even Liverpool, what you're saying you know. about being well run like City have let a lot of bodies go like when Aguero left you're thinking what are they going to do but they knew they had Haaland coming in the door they let Gundogan go and you're thinking he's, he can, pops up with some huge goals who can they get to replace him Kovacic from Chelsea yeah, it's like they just knew we're going to let him go but we already have him and yeah. they're, they're, they're seeing problems before they come and they're, they're and Laporte goes and Guardiol comes in. This like, is what I mean. I mean. They just know what they're doing. And it's yeah. always the nucleus of a team. You're only adding one or two. Yeah. United, are, you're looking. Well, we need a left full, and you need him, <laughs> and you need. Oh, we need about six players. You know, like they're just one out the door, one in. We still have our nine or ten that are going yeah. to play every week. Um, and I suppose we're coming to the end of the podcast now, lads. Before we go, and I suppose a nice story or a positive story for Ireland um, is this kind of new resurgence of Aaron Conley mm. um, and Liam Rossini, the manager of Hull, has come out and glowing tribute to Aaron Conley saying, you know, he, he wasn't well at the weekend, he came off the bench and even after the match he was vomiting because he still had the bug. I don't know if you saw the goal. The header, yeah. Brilliant header. Yeah. Brilliant header. Yeah. Um, and we've always, we've always, we've never questioned Aaron Conley's ability as a player. It was always kind of, you know, what's his attitude like? But it seems to me now, he came out in an interview there recently where he said, now I've knuckled down, I realise, you know, that I have to put the hard work in. And it seems that he is. Let's hope that this is the new mature Aaron Conley and, you know, we have another exciting player to get excited about for Ireland going forward. Yeah, 100% because we need all the ones that we can get, uh, Eric. And I suppose when he burst on the scene, that hat-trick against... Uh, oh, you scored two against Spurs. Spurs yeah. yeah. And everybody was thinking, here we go now. Like something like, I suppose, the euphoria around what we see with Ferguson at the moment. But for whatever reason as you say his attitude maybe was questioned he dips off and that can happen to a young lad too much too soon yeah. and believe in the hype and all that kind of stuff so you'd have sympathy for any young lad in that regard but the key thing now is that obviously the penny seems to be dropping and um, you get a manager who all of a sudden puts his arm around you talks to you like a human you feel loved all those kind of phrases but that matters massively and thankfully he's still young enough that the penny hasn't dropped when it's too late and he's 28, 29 he's still only probably 21, 22 is he Aaron yep. so he's a huge future still ahead of him so you'd like to think now playing at a club where he feels loved they're all embracing him the manager obviously likes him uh, speaks very well of him Rossini as well well Rossini coached him at Brighton at yeah. under 23 level yeah, so, so he has that relationship already yeah. with him Yeah, and that all matters as well Eric you know because he obviously trusts him mm-hmm. so whatever I suppose Rossini was probably looking at the decline in the lad and thinking how can I help him if I like hecking bottom when I get the job I look after you <laughs> Kate that he shafted him but we're seniors looked after him um, and it's good to see it is good to see because we need as many as we can get and he is as you said you're right about his talent that was never in question uh, so hopefully he can just maintain the form that he's shown at the moment yeah yeah, well, it it should be easy, shouldn't it? Really, because he has the talent, he has the hard side of the game down. It's just you know, walk right, doing the horrible stuff. And the one thing that always always stood in my mind when obviously I came out with the reserves, I finally to go back into the first team, and I was doing okay. I put a couple of decent performances together. Sean Dyche said to me, "Don't don't settle on this now. It takes a minute to get a reputation and a lifetime to lose it. And your reputation is really really bad in terms of what I was doing off the pitch. So." That's what I would echo to Arden. It gets it's a minute to get a reputation and a lifetime to lose it. So you're doing really well now. You're scoring goals. We know you have the talent. 
can you keep it up there? Can you end the season with 10, 15 goals this season in the championship? And then all of a sudden, we have to get you in with Evan Ferguson. That's what we'd be talking because Evan's going to play for Ireland. Yeah. He's going to be the one. So can we get Aaron up there and knock Benny all of a sudden as a three up front, you're thinking? Mm. And Aaron Connolly, that's yes. fired, and yeah. Evan Ferguson, knock Benny. It's an exciting trail, isn't it? There, don't yeah. we? But that's hinging on Aaron yeah. keeping his head down. Stay away from the glitz and the glam. Well, it shouldn't be too hard up in Hull. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So just stay on the right track because all of Ireland wants to get behind and we're yeah. desperate for players and we know he has the talent. It's just what Aaron Connolly are we going to get. An interesting thing that Rossini said that he's not 100% fit, which is scary. He's a leader in the dressing room and he's a massive influence and has really taken Liam Delap under his wing. Now, if I'm Aaron Connolly and I want to get back in the Irish team, I wouldn't be talking too much to Liam Delap. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, though. Like, I'm sure Aaron was similar to us. I went at 16. Were you the same, Keith? 15, I went Yeah, in. so it's so young to be thrown into that world. I remember going and, and like a rabbit in the headlights, hadn't a clue. And like that, I was basically going, you're going on ability. So in terms of attitude and character and all those things, you don't have those at 15, 16, I don't think. You know, you've, you can still be... growing. Yeah, you can be a good young lad, but in terms of maturity, that all comes after... Um, certainly from my experience anyway. And I used to think when I went over there, it was the same as me just playing here in Sligo or with my schoolboy team that you just rock up and play. So much other stuff goes with it. And that's the part where I fell down. The football was easy. It was the 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 donkey work, the in the gym, building myself up. I was really skinny. It was the not tracking back, the ugly side of the game. And they're the things all the coaches used to say to me. And I used to kind of, yeah, but just give what me the ball. Know? Just yeah. give me the ball. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and that can happen to a young lad I only realised what it took to be a professional when I came back here and played for Shells under Pat Fenlon. And he was so professional, like the stuff we're saying about Sean Dyche. You do it properly, no messing, no... Ca- he had senior pros in the dressing room, likes of Jim Crawford. I lived with Ollie Cal. That was when I learned how to be a professional, living with Ollie, so straight-laced. Everything was done properly, no messing. Um, and that was only, as I say, I was 22 at that stage when the penny drops. So now Aaron is still getting a chance that he's still in the UK for all this to happen. It was even harder for me then trying to, you know, trying to revive your career here and then maybe if you're ever thinking of going back to England. But that was always the issue I had. And it wasn't out of me saying, I'm not going to run today or I'm not going to play. That was just maybe the way I was built the way I was. And it took so long for the penny to drop. And as I say, it, I was only when I was maturing at 22, 23. And then I started to live properly in terms of your nutrition and your diet and all those kind of things that go with it now. And to be fair, back then, it wasn't much of a thing back then as what it is now. Um so that's what I'm saying about Aaron, that he, he's still in a position, a very, very strong position, that his, his career hasn't fallen so far that it's going to take so much to get him back. He's still in the championship, scoring goals now with Hull, Hull doing well, at a yeah. really good club with a good manager, and hopefully now the sky's the limit for him and he kick on, as Keith said, that he maintains that form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Aaron Connolly, if you're listening, keep it up, pal. We're right behind you. Um, lads, that has been episode 26 of House of Football with Sports Joe. I want to say thank you to my guest, Alan Colley and Keith Tracy. Lads, brilliant chances as ever. Uh, you know the story, lads. Like, subscribe, leave us a review. And as I said last week, it's spelled S U P E R B. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe.